the Gospel of Luke, the story that is familiar to many of us, the story that we call the walk to Emmaus, which is also portrayed here in the banner that we have this morning. We will have some help. This will be dramatized out for us. And you as a congregation have a role to play in this as well. You will see at the end of the narrative uh, a part that is in bold green, and those are the words for you to say. Here begins the reading. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, saying, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over and condemned him to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early that morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. And as they came near to the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us. Because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and the other companions gathered together. They were saying together, The Lord Lord is is risen risen. indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
We are taught that journeys and stories have a beginning, a middle, and an end. I was an English major in college, and one of the things that we know is that we read stories and we want to say, well, what is at the beginning? How are the characters introduced? And then what is in the middle? What happens in the story? And then how is the story resolved? How do we know what happens to the characters and does it make sense to us? We are taught that journeys and stories have a beginning and a middle and an end. And when someone dies, we read their obituary and obituaries tend to follow the same pattern. They give us all this basic information. The obituary tells us that the person was born on a certain date and in a certain place and to parents of a certain name. Then the obituary tells us about the middle of a person's life, what they did, and if they were married to whom, and what their interests were, and maybe the impact that they had on their family and their community. And then the obituary also tell us about the end of a person's earthly journey, when they died and where, and who the person's survivors are. Journeys have a beginning and a middle and an end, or so we are taught, and our human stories are no different. People who are full of hope and full of promise have a sense that they are at the beginning of something new. We see this just a couple of weeks ago at a wedding over at St. Matthias when Tim and Emily were married. Two people at a crossroads together. The community was gathered there to support them. And even though they never know, we never know what the future is going to bring us, Nevertheless, at that moment, we are happy, joyful, and excited, and full of life. People who are full of despair have a sense that they, what they wanted or dreamed of had come crashing down around them. People who are in despair may not be at the end of their life, but from their perspective, it certainly feels that way. Journeys have a beginning and a middle and an end, or so we are taught, and sometimes we are confused about where we are in the story. Sometimes we can deceive ourselves. This is certainly the case of the two travelers that were making their way along a road to Emmaus. The scriptures said that they were walking to Emmaus, that they were about seven miles from Jerusalem. The implication is that these two travelers have left Jerusalem, which is important to the story. You see, Jerusalem is the place where all the events of Jesus' death and resurrection occurred. So if they are leaving Jerusalem, this is symbolically saying to us that they are leaving their dream behind. Notice that only one of the travelers is named. There are two people traveling, but we are only given the name of one, Cleopas. The other is not named, which is to say it could be you. So you know what it feels like to leave Jerusalem and walk to Eurymaeus. You've had to leave a dream 
behind, and if you have, I'm sure you remember how you felt as you walked away from that dream. The path to Emmaus is a path of dejection and sadness and despair. You see, these two believers believe that they are at the end of the story. They are walking along, telling the story, the events of Jesus. They are writing an obituary in their minds. They replay the events of Jesus' life. They think they are at the end of the story. They do what all humans do. They tell the story of the person's life because stories give our existence meaning. Stories are the flesh to our bones. You hear it in the way they speak about Jesus and most poignantly in the phrase, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. They are rehearsing the broken dream in their minds. We had hoped, but it didn't come true. The only problem is they're wrong. Life is a journey with a beginning and a middle and an end, and sometimes we think that we are at the end when it is actually a new beginning. The human capacity for self-deception is endless. The two travelers that walked along the road that day had all the facts correct about Jesus' life, but they didn't have the right perspective. Cleopas and his traveling companion, could that be you? They had all the facts, but they had none of the meaning they knew the details, they rehearsed them and told them to Jesus in front of his face. Jesus of Nazareth, a prophet mighty in word and in deed before God and all the people. The fact that he was handed over and condemned to death and was crucified. And now it's the third day since all this has taken place. Some women were there at the tomb early that morning. They didn't find his body there. And they said they had seen a vision of angels who said that Jesus was alive. Some people went to check it out, but they did not see him. They had all the facts. They just had none of the meaning. They had all the facts right, but they didn't have the right perspective. Note the key phrase in verse 24, they did not see him. So let's talk about that phrase. You see, in biblical wisdom, the heart and the eyes are directly related and closely linked. When your heart burns, when you have heartburn, the fire comes up from your chest and enlightens your eyes. You see clearly with your eyes only if your eyes are given the fire of life from inside your body. If the fire inside of your heart begins to fade, then your eyesight will also begin to dim and eventually you will go blind. That's why people in the Bible are considered blind even if they have all the facts and they think they know all the rules. And then you have those people in the Bible who are given new vision 
We call them miracles because they have allowed their hearts to be warmed by Christ. Likewise, here in Muscatine, if we go see Dr. Corpy or someone at the vision center and we are told that we have 20-20 vision, even then we may be slow to see with the eyes of our heart. We may think that we see because we have all the facts, but facts alone may not lead us in the right direction. We might be leaving Jerusalem on the way to Emmaus. It is only if we see with the eyes of our hearts that we will truly see God. So mostly when we talk about being a practicing Christian to be someone who follows Jesus, we are mostly not talking about the need to get more head knowledge. You and I, unfortunately, know people who can name all the 12 disciples and name all the 66 books of the Bible in order, but they haven't learned how to love. They haven't learned to see the world with the eyes of their hearts. So the difference between hope and despair has to do with seeing the world through the eyes, with your eyes connected to your heart. This is what happened to the two travelers as they journey along with Jesus that day. He interpreted the scriptures for them, which is to say that he took the facts that they already had, but they were confused about, and he gave those same facts new meaning and new clarity. That is what it means when it says their hearts were burning within them. And suddenly, some point along the journey, they were able to step out of the obituary that they had been writing in their minds. Their journey away from Jerusalem makes a U-turn. In biblical terms, it's called repenting and being baptized, which means they turned around and headed back down the same road, which is the story's way of telling us. They will see the same thing, but this time they will see that thing from a new perspective. They returned to Jerusalem, but this time the facts took on new meaning. The Lord has risen indeed. Every Sunday is an encounter with the risen Lord. And our risen Lord confronts the despair and the malaise and the apathy that we get when we look at the facts with a dull heart. You might think that you are at the end of your journey, but you are called to trust the promise. Sometimes we as a church act like we are at the end of a journey, but we are called to trust the promise. This is why what we do at the font and what we do at the table cannot be explained other than to say that they take the dull facts of our lives and they take on new meaning because they are nothing less than encounters with the risen Lord. 
At the font, we say, you are dead, dead to sin, and evil has no power over you. Your obituary is being written in the process until we realize that right then we are raised to new life in Christ. At the table, we break bread and we take the cup and we pour it out and the mortician begins to lean in and gets ready to do his work upon you until we eat what is broken because it makes us whole, until we drink of the new covenant and we receive the forgiveness and the grace that we really need that brings us to new life. We have been taught that journeys have a beginning and a middle and an end but we're wrong. 